Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Disco on Lit Hub Radio, episode 136, Tarzan of the Apes. First published in the 1912 All Story magazine, Edgar Rice Burroughs' novel Tarzan of the Apes launched a character that has lasted over a century and existed in pretty much every form of media, from comic books to Broadway shows. Today, we go back to the novel that started it all. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. We're Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hey, guys. Hey! Hi! How's everybody's uh, holiday season been? Well, I, uh, I haven't bathed. Okay. In a while. In a while. More than 24 hours. Yeah, you haven't left left your house in a couple of days. Have That's you? not that long. Well, okay, I left my house yesterday. I have a cousin in town. We went and had dinner, so I bathed. Okay. I bathed before that. I I haven't. You guys can see my face. I haven't shaved in a while. I, I've never looked more Jewish than I look when I have a beard. <laughs> it's like just throw a yarmulke on me and subjugate me publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Like, I live in a tourist town. I live in Palm Springs, as you guys know. And it's just so many tourists here driving around, cluttering the streets. And so always during the holidays, my rage level just goes through the roof See, if I'm out so in funny, public. Because L.A. is the exact opposite. Everyone leaves town. All right. of L.A. empties out. All the, uh, you know, wannabe actors and everybody just, they go back home. Right. And so the entire town is so calm. I love L.A. during the holidays. I used to always leave, but now that I have a kid, uh, the grandparents come to us. So I get to stick around. Oh, so that's nice. You can drive all the way across town in only like 45 minutes. And was this was this Vega's first Christmas, Julia? How old's Vega? No. She's 13 months old. So it's her second Christmas. Yeah, but her first Christmas, she was like just fresh out of the womb. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't know what was happening. Right. Um, yes, this was the first Christmas that she really got gifts. And I, <laughs> it's funny because um, my husband didn't, like his parents told him right away that Santa wasn't real. Already? Um, <laughs> what? Already they told Vegas Santa's not real? No, they told him Santa oh. wasn't real when he was a kid. Oh, right. And then, oh man, we should probably put a Santa spoiler at the beginning <laughs> of the What about all our eight-year-old listeners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, look, if you're, if you're eight and listening to Literary Disco, call your, your mom. Tell her you need therapy. <laughs> no, you're awful. Anyway. Hey, if they see it's about so, Tarzan, you know, you can on Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, um... Uh, I was afraid that he wouldn't want to do the Santa thing at all right. uh, because I think it's like amazing and magical and I'm really into it. And then he was like, kind of like, okay, fine. And then I went to bed and he set up the most elaborate <laughs> like gifts and train set and like put all her little toys, her like existing toys out. Oh my God. And I was like, okay, this is really fun. Um, it's just, it's really fun to be, to like have the power, right. the Santa power. That is, I'm excited. That about is it. my one regret of not having children, other than also having someone that could clean. Um, is power. is the Santa power, or to be able to see the holidays through the eyes of a child? Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is, I see the holidays through the eyes of me, and I am a perpetual 
four-year-old. So yeah, <laughs> Wendy, like, you know, puts up all the lights and everything. And I just sort of sit around, gape mouth, like, the lights, Rudolph. The, hey, I love it all. This was a year, by the way, um, that I, I'm always surprised, like, what thing captures the imagination of America at any given holiday? And sometimes it's the, you know, the stupid war on Christmas or there are not enough red cups at Starbucks or whatever. This was the year that finally, in my view, the rest of America caught up with my view that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a fucked up family. His father was super fucked up. And that he was a victim of vast bullying and that Santa Claus is not a good man. Santa Claus is a terrible person as it relates to Rudolph. And that there's, there's some real labor issues that need to be addressed. But no, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Santa comes around and, you know. Oh, yeah. Santa's like. Rudolph at the, the front of the yeah. sleigh. So. Yes. Santa's like, oh, I finally need you. I recognize you now. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So this is the year that Rudolph finally got his due and that baby it's cold outside was like reached peak. Oh God, this is a song about raping somebody. We watched, um, we watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the old claymation Bass Rankin video um, with my son. It does. It is not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so cool. How it's so cool dare because you? It's so, um, you know, it's practical animation, and I love practical and like it just looks so cool, and the characters right. are great. But it is really, I mean, like just bad writing. It was like a, you know, <laughs> basically, like you could tell it was like a group of writers, and they were just they they put on a board different lines from the song. Right. Uh, we got to get here. How do we get to where they play the rain gear games? And they just like brainstormed for a couple hours and wrote this shitty scene of reindeer games. It, none of it makes any sense. It's very like aggressive. Like you're saying, Todd, they're so mean to Rudolph, like without any reason. It's just like, they just hate him and his freakish nose. So right. awful. It's like, and then Herbie wants to be a dentist. Yeah. It's a very Which bizarre is, little film. Well, the Herbie being a dentist and people not liking that is the blatant anti-Semitism. That exists in many of these claymation uh, Christmas movies. Oh, Herbie the Dentist. Hmm. Yeah, what faith is Herbie? Oh, he's a Jew. That's what he is. Look, I'm just saying. <laughs> I can't believe you guys are maligning this. Interestingly. The, yeah, named Herbie. Every other elf is bald, but Herbie has blonde hair. Yeah, well, that is weird. Do you know any Catholics yeah. named Herbie, though? I'm just asking you. Or dentists, for that matter? No, you don't. He, okay, I have two words in rebuttal to this whole complaint, which are Yukon Cornelius, <laughs> the greatest character in cinematic yeah, history. Yeah, true. You know, I feel like we've a actually random talked about minor. this entire... We've had, probably had this exact conversation before. I swear yeah. we did, like, two years ago. Because <laughs> I remember doing my Yukon Cornelius impression for this show before. <laughs> Let's hear it, and I, Yukon Cornelius! <laughs> <laughs> oh! Gold! <laughs> right? Isn't that what he sounds? And then, in Herbie, sounds like this. It's a great bo- voice acting. It's wonderful. Right. But, uh, otherwise, yeah. You know you're a great character when you I bellow. I am a misfit. When you, bellow so your, when you bellow your own name, that's how you know you're a great character. And then he licks his pick. Remember, he throws it up in the air. And then it, oh, it yeah. goes into the snow. And he picks it up and he goes. It's so weird. It's... And, and like the weirdest part is the way the the the, the animations uh, the eyes work. Like when all the deers see Rudolph's nose glowing, they do this like psychedelic eye spin, 
and it is really unnerving to watch like as an adult you watch it as an adult and it just makes your skin crawl <laughs> i guess is the way what they wanted all right which is a wonderful setup for tarzan of the apes guys another story that is so ingrained in our dna that you don't know if you've read the book or not <laughs> yeah you know yeah. i think for me I, um i i realized if I read any version of this book, there was a series of books that I read as kids. They were like 19th century classics that had been shortened, you know? Right. So mm. like Frankenstein or Moby Dick or whatever, but it would only be, you know, 12 pages long with illustrations. Right. Uh, so I think I probably read a, like that version because I did know the story. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's, uh, let's get into it. It's, uh, it starts off with a shipwreck pretty much right off the bat. Uh, or, I mean, a, a mutiny right off the bat on ship, on a ship. And um, Lord Clayton Greystoke and Lady Alice are uh, left on a deserted island where they... Oh, no, not on a deserted island. I guess it's the shores of Africa. Right. Where they um, are left to the jungle... And gorillas, <laughs> and the mm-hmm. baby uh, survives is Tarzan of the Apes. Everyone kind of knows that part. Um, but uh, did you guys know that uh, he was a lord? Um, no, I, I only okay. So, like you, I read something when I was a kid, I don't remember yeah. what, but like a lot of this seemed very familiar to me, and not just familiar in the sense that obviously I knew the story and seen the movies and watched the TV show and all that. But like I, that I had actually read some of these details, but I don't remember how much. The only thing that I remembered him being a lord from was that terrible movie in the 80s, Lord of Greystoke, where it was like, was it Christopher Lambert? Oh, right, right. It was, was Tarzan. And so I remember that because I remember him coming back and becoming, um, you know, wearing a suit and tie and all that stuff. But there's parts of this book like particularly the end of it that I was like, oh, I don't, I have no memory of any of this stuff, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also forgot that he was. I don't even know if I knew that he was marooned there with his mom and dad. I did not know. I, that. I thought the dad was going to become Tarzan. Me too. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> like just suddenly go savage and start running. Yeah. Like I also I, I kept confusing in my mind um, Jungle Book and Tarzan. And right. I was like, oh, I think one of these that I'm remembering is Jungle Book, and then right. it ends up being that it's the exact same story. Is the thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's 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 very different in that in Jungle Book, um, Mowgli is a local, and. Tarzan is is definitely a colonial power coming in. <laughs> right. That Whatever do you mean? Clear. His identity <laughs> as an English lord is like very important to the story, which yes. is part of the problem. Yes. Um, what, what about yeah, you, I mean, Julia? I, I mean, I was excited to open this book and start it. I really, when it's, when, you know, it starts exactly like those those 19th century adventure stories all do. It's like, yep. you know, I heard this from a sailor and I hear it, we were, they were on a boat and then they left the knowledge of of men and what happened to them out there in the wilds of Africa, you know, has this like crazy, uh, you know, Oh, there's going to be tons of adventure. And I kind of got excited. And then just that adventure curdled pretty quickly into straight out, uh, you know, white supremacy, uh, (laughs) which is pretty much what this book seems to be all about. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Okay, so my reading of this book, and this is actually going to sound shadier than I mean it, but I felt like it just progressively got worse. And by that, I really mean the first couple chapters, I was like, oh, is this good? Um, like the tone, the writing um, was really fun. It was like those like perfect turn of the century sentences that are like very engaging. And I think we should read the first couple of paragraphs. Um, and then Tarzan's dad, who I too was for a, a few minutes like, oh, is this the hero of our story? He's like cool as shit. Yeah. He's going to West Africa to like make sure that, you know, Black Africans aren't being mistreated. Right. Um, like, that's his mission. And he literally never gets there um, <laughs> to do his cool-ass job. And he also does kung fu. Because um, he kung fu's a guy on, on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> he gets involved in a mutiny, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then, I mean, this book is so about colonialism and white supremacy, but it's also pretty sexist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, a little the bit. The women are always like, bit. I don't know. Shouldn't we follow the rules? And then because of that, disaster happens. Um, I'm going to read the chapter at the beginning. Chapter one. Yeah. Out to sea. <laughs> yes. I had this story from one who had no business to tell it to me or to any other. Yes. I may credit the seductive influence of an old vintage upon the narrator for the beginning of it, and my own skeptical incredulity during the days that followed for the balance of the strange tale. While my convivial host discovered that he had told me so much, and that I was prone to doubtfulness, his foolish pride assumed the task the old vintage had commenced, and so he unearthed written evidence in the form of musty manuscript and dry official records of the British colonial office to support many of the salient features of his remarkable narrative. <laughs> and, and I love that kind love of stuff. It. It's always like, me um, too. It's like we're sitting around the fire and you know we're going to have whiskey and you're going to tell me a great uh, story. And the best part too is like you read that and you're like, oh, he's going to build that fool into a wall. You're like, oh no, that's Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's that, there's that grandiose tone. Yeah. And unfortunately, the story really does not actually hold up to it in any way, shape, or form. And I got to say, the, the the moment at which I was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting even further is. Well, we should say it's told actually in an omniscient point of view, mm-hmm. but then it becomes which makes no which sense. Makes no sense, and then it becomes <laughs> omniscient, close third gorilla. Gorilla. <laughs> I'm like okay. And lion. So he, wait, let me jump in here. Yeah. So, but he starts off I, with the narrator saying, "I heard this story." Yeah. So get into the minds of Kana or Kala the gorilla. So, so I was like. Okay, this is my total, like, black beauty, black stallion, childhood, you know, the girl, traditional girl mirror to this. While you were reading this, I was reading Black Beauty. And I, when it got, like, very deep into the apes, I was like, oh, I'm completely on board with this. Like, this is (laughs) really, this this is so jungle booky. Like the idea of like a mother's baby ape falling to the ground and dying is like, yes, like more. But then it m- moves very quickly into Tarzan stabbing apes in the face. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, Oh, 
oh man, like I, I want the animal story, you know, like there's so many different weird parts to this. It's adventure tale, animal tale, and then colonialist romance novel well, and, and then, then and then junk yeah. and then junk science yeah. let's not forget the chapter 20 junk science oh <laughs> man <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i like the ape stuff like i was into well, I think it that's the part of tarzan that's lasted right like the, the the fantasy of like being in the woods or being in the jungle and living like an animal being raised by animals that's right. still a pretty great fun that could be a great yeah. fantasy, right? Like the idea of a child. I mean, that's what Jungle Book is. I mean, I haven't read Jungle Books, but I mean, I just watched the new one, the Andy Circus new movie, the Mowgli that just right. came out. And like my son loves Jungle Book and it's actually, they're, they're great. You know, talking animals, it's all fun. You learn a little bit about the animals. Um, but yeah, this book quickly evolves into something just pretty awful. I mean, it's just really about the power of the white, uh, hereditary. I mean, right. he keeps talking about heritage and you know the fact that that this guy's genes make him superior to the jungle. Well, um, and I mean, and let's be clear, like you know, man is at the top of the food chain. So, like, th there obviously we have something that the gorillas do not have. Um, so the the idea that Tarzan has a particular kind of reasoning and cunning that the gorillas don't have, you know, that's, that's, I was into that's that. True. And I was, he gets his yeah. rope and his knife. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. You can like hunt. And yeah. He's got opposable thumbs. Um, and to go back though, to the point of view shift to the animals. I mean, there's not like, when you think about, it, there's just not another way to tell the story. Like it, right. Because so Tarzan is nonverbal, um, because he is raised by gorillas from, you know, birth essentially. Actually, he's one year. He's one year old when the gorillas come and take him. Um, after they've killed his mother and father, no, the mother. The mother's already dead. No, is the mother already dead? She just dies. Yeah, she just dies inexplicably in childbirth. That's how. No, no after, it's after, not in childbirth for twelve months or thirteen months. She just she dies a perfect turn of the century death of she just fucking closes her eyes and dies. That's after a year. So, oh, I'm she sorry. Just swoons and dies. I, 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 I forgot. So, <laughs> women were wont to do. So there, but here's the timeline. So she's pregnant and she is attacked by a gorilla. Uh, her husband kills the gorilla. She gives birth right after that, that night. That night. And I don't even know if there's mention of her being pregnant before that, but she gives birth. There's an implication. <laughs> an implication. She gives birth, yep. and from the day of giving birth onward, she essentially is overtaken by the vapors. Like, she's just like, ah! She doesn't know where she is. She thinks she's in a dream most of the time. And so, uh, Lord Greystoke has to raise his son while he base while the child... The mother's only job is essentially as a lactation device. That's all she does is lactate. She's hysterical. Yeah, she's hysterical and lactating. Oh. Um, and then dies <laughs> right at the point at which her child can be raised by a gorilla. Yeah. So the point being, though, is that after the English speaking people are dead in the book, there's not another way to tell the story until Tarzan himself gets language. And so you ha essentially Interestingly, have Interestingly, the way he gets language too. <laughs> this it, it's so important that he has literacy. Like <laughs> the, 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 the yeah. he does so much work. He teaches himself how to read. Right. Even though he doesn't speak 
English, like, which actually just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, if he doesn't have words to begin with, why would he, what, he, he reads what he calls the bugs on pages in the books that form themselves into letters that then tell the story. It, it's so absurd, but it, I, you realize that literacy was what they needed, what Edgar Rice Burroughs had to insert in order for him to be better than the the savages, the savages right right because if he could if he doesn't have literacy then he's just like those tribal black people in in Africa that of course he the book goes to take such pains to separate him from them right and it's literacy is the key to you know and it, but it made me think also it reminded me of in in the 19th century there was that a lot of books that that revolved around like Frankenstein remember Frankenstein yeah. he, he also learns languages right. the same mm-hmm. this sort of like noble savage but they have to like teach themselves how to read that that's somehow like a trope that and the, the, had to get worked in here even though it makes no sense and the amazing but he cuz he's not a noble savage he's a savage noble right. oh, so he yes. <laughs> he and he has to learn how to read i don't think it's that that didn't bother me that much because any like cool like you know montage where someone's learning some cool skill I'm into and I was like I do wonder could you learn to read without learning to speak? I mean you must be able to right? Well you don't know what, um, you don't know what mean anything to you. Well like well I mean the way that they describe it is mm-hmm. just like any children's book where it's you know the word hat with a picture of a hat and you know you make those associations. So Tarzan makes the association of himself as a man based on the way he looks compared to an ape based on the way the apes look in the book. So, like, you get that. But you don't know what the sounds mean. And so, therefore, to put letters together to make sounds, if you're not being taught that sound, you'd never be able to figure out what those sounds were. You don't... Yeah, but think about what you guys are saying. Like, early written language is hieroglyphs and things like that. I mean, those symbols mean real world thing so you have to memorize probably figure it out you would have to memorize every word and, and understand the i definition mean because look. the purpose of reading is <laughs> that's to the thesis sound out yeah so he's memorized every single word in all of these books and that's but he still doesn't have look if, if or, that if, if this is the leap of disbelief that we must yeah, exactly. take to believe in tarzan <laughs> like I'm, I'm willing to make it uh, but the other th- like the thing that drove me crazy i mean there's a lot that drove me crazy but when we talk about Tarzan compared to the savages, so there's this whole society. There's hundreds of these people in this tribe, and Tarzan, who's been these poor people, who's literally been raised by gorillas, can outwit all of them. He is smarter than every single one of these tribesmen. He he who has never spoken to anyone other than a gorilla is already inherently <laughs> wiser and more cunning than an actual established society with farming. <laughs> and, and, and Tarzan doesn't want to actually talk to these people and he just, communicate. He just, he just, wants, just to wants to kill, kill them, them and then take their poison-tipped arrows. That's all he wants. Is That's just, it. Yeah, that's it. And you know the real justification for all of this is cannibalism, right? Which is, yeah, which is what was always used in travel literature to vilify tribes. You know, that was it was always that. Oh well, and what's so interesting is that they there's actually a moment where Tarzan chooses to not be a cannibal, right? Because he just naturally wouldn't like, do that, he, he, even though he'll eat everything else to right. survive. But like, and it, the way it's described is, is so it's disturbing. It's, like, it's actually his Englishness, his whiteness, yes. that makes that happen. It, it, what it is is nausea. 
This is the first time, like, of all the bugs he's eaten in his life, never a real feeling of nausea. But when he thinks about eating that guy, he's like, oh, I'm feeling a little peaking. <laughs> How may we judge him? By what standards? This ape man, with the heart and head and body of an English gentleman and the training of a wild beast. Oh, God. And then later on, all he knew was that he could not eat the flesh of this black man. And thus, hereditary instinct. Ages old, usurped the functions of his untaught mind and saved him from transgressing a worldwide law of whose very existence he was ignorant. And then the tribes people. We would all eat someone. We would all do it. Of course. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry to interrupt. You know, this is the way that colonial literature distanced itself or that colonialism. This was the, the one of the mechanisms to rationalize colonialism was they oh the savages well they're so gross they'll eat other people right you know and cannibalism is one of those things that like it's hard to even prove that it actually existed um, you know because it was always rumors of the other tribe doing it like everyone you know it, it's something that obviously has happened in different circumstances or in certain ways but like the fear of cannibalism is what was primarily used to motivate wiping out tribes of people or right. to spread rumors to stay away. You know, it was, it was a fear tactic. It's how much it actually was a thing is kind of debatable. Um, but of course it's used perfectly in this book because Tarzan wouldn't do it. He's, you know, and then that's what separates him ultimately because the brutality of the book, I mean, everybody's so brutal. The French people that come in or just wipe out this entire village. <laughs> I mean, how do you rationalize the brutality except by saying, well, they have the force of civilization. Behind right. Them. And, and how do you define civilization? Well, at least, you know, if we're going we're gonna to glorify all the great things that Tarzan can do in the jungle, at least he doesn't eat other human beings. Like, that's the only dividing line. Right. So but, but that's... Jane shoots a lion in the face. <laughs> and, like, it's self-defense. Right? But, like, does it have to be like that? It's like, she struggled. She picked up the rifle. The lioness was darting toward her. She shot it in the face. Like, it's so descriptive. They don't write around well, it at all. I mean, so wonderful because there's suddenly like three lions just roaming around attacking everybody. It's like, it's well, a long time. Not that many attacks have gone on. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, it's a smorgasbord of white people just show up all clean and ready to be eaten alive. With oh, a black God. slave woman in tow, of course. Right. So He's there for the uh, hilarious comic relief of. Can, can, can we take a look, though, at the actual chapter, the chapter Heredity, which is chapter 20? Sure. When, mm-hmm. when Jane um, actually describes, in fact, the nature of Tarzan. I'm, I'm just going to read from the beginning of chapter 20 here. It'll take me a moment to get to the really great part. When Jane realized that she was being borne away captive by the strange forest creature who had rescued her from the clutches of the ape, she, she struggled desperately to escape. But the strong arms that held her as easily as though she had been but a day-old babe only pressed a little more tightly. So she's in Tarzan's arms. So presently she gave up the futile effort and lay quietly, looking through half-closed lids at the face of the man who strode easily through the tangled undergrowth with her. The face above her was one of extraordinary beauty. A perfect type of the strongly masculine, unmarred by dispassion or brutal or degrading passions. For, though Tarzan of the Apes was a killer of men and of beasts, he killed as the hunter kills, dispassionately, except on those rare occasions when he had killed for hate. Oh, except for those times. <laughs> though, not, <laughs> though not the brooding, malevolent hate, which marks the features of its own with hideous lines. When Tarzan killed, he more often smiled than scowled, and smiles 
are the foundation of beauty. <laughs> so strange. It's so strange. <laughs> what the what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes he kills for hate, but he smiles like a fucking maniac when he does there's, it. <laughs> there's so much work being done to maintain like the different directions that the fantasy of Tarzan is is trying to work in, you know? It's like on one hand he's trying to work in this direction of like revealing a sort of primeval masculine awesomeness um so just by being raised by gorillas he's like this wild man but then it also has to satisfy this like that he is a really good gentleman so he's not Mm -hmm. gonna just rape and kill but he also we also want to have the fear of raping and killing right be present so it's like this book is just delicately dancing but you know that's what i love in that section you read like he wouldn't kill for hate well except for the times he did kill for hate. It's like, wait, 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 you just said the thing, but it's this like bombastic language to try and, uh, you know, just have it all. It's like this, it's a, it's yeah. Tarzan is like an example of a colonial mind, like a feverish colonial imagination trying to have it all. Smiles are the foundation of beauty, Ryder. Look, if you, if you got to kill for hate and you do it with a smile on your face, that's fine because you're a beautiful white man. Yeah. Oh my god. That's so nice. And that's the chapter where he learns to not rape her. Yes. He, tr- he tries and she rebuffs him, repulses him as as, right. as it says, and then he decides to instead watch over her just naturally because it's in his blood to to be a gentleman. Cuz he was born to protect her and she was born to be Oh protected. yeah, that that's the actual line. Where where is that? <laughs> that that line is so bad. Oh god. I think it's like the moment he sees her. Right. So is there any, ver- like, I mean, the, the, like, I find this book, it's it's annoying because, like, you know, some of those fun things that we were talking about seem like they could uh, could make for a, like, maybe there's a version of Tarzan that I that I could get behind, but, like, I would never yeah. read this book. I think it's called, <laughs> you know, like, it's... The Jungle Book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, different. But... He knew that she was created <laughs> to be protected and that he was created to protect her. Get a little god, in there. A little god <laughs> with the creation. Don't touch a god. <laughs> but why do we keep telling this story? Like, why is, there was a Broadway mm. show like ten years ago, right? Or maybe it's still out there. I don't. There, there, we we have cartoons. Like, there's a new Netflix cartoon. I think that's all Tarzan. And like, so is there a version of this that could, that can be removed from the colonialism, or is it just always the same thing? So I feel like the fascination and what slightly differentiates it from other related tales like King Kong and Jungle Book uh, is the nature versus nurture tension. Mm -hmm. So like that's what's fascinating about it is like if you were stranded in the jungle from a baby, like what would what would that mean? Like how would you survive? Could you survive? That's the fantasy is that like innately you're going to be okay. It's almost like a destiny. This is any story where someone suddenly realizes they're a fucking Lord at the end. It's, it's a death. It's a story about destiny that like your blood overrides anything that happens to you. Um, And that is a story we love. Like that's, that's Harry Potter is the same story, you know, like there's so many, so many stories that follow that line. And I would say that combined with an adventure, that is a cool story. It's just, unfortunately it was written in the context of what like your destiny is. I guess you're just the best beast. She murmured. Then God make me a beast. 
For man or beast, I am yours. It's Harry Potter with some hot ass sex, is what it is. <laughs> Boom, take me. No, you know, it was yeah. interesting that at the end, I mean, so the, the, I don't think anybody or any of our listeners will mind if we spoil the ending of this little book, but the ending is that he finds out he's a lord. Right. Based on fingerprinting. <laughs> this, this tiny, tiny baby fingerprint smudges were in the journal of his father. Okay. Very convenient. Um, but he decides to not claim his title and not claim Jane at the end, which I found like right at the I was like, I had to reread the ending a couple times. I was like, did that really just happen? Like, yeah. The book, you know, and I guess it's because it continues on into a series of how many books. So who knows how, you know, but it, I did find it was like a, he, he, he's, he's, the ultimate civilized act was to uh, to not claim his title and to not claim what was rightfully his at the end. There it was like he was he he had achieved uh, civilized man gentlemanly manhood by 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 refusing to take what was his. Yeah, but but before that, he also decides. You know what? I'm gonna fuck with people and take their money on dumb bets. Like I bet you ten thousand dollars, I can go in the jungle and get a lion. <laughs> Like that's that's an actual thing that happens where Tarzan's like, but, motherfucker, I'm Tarzan. I'm gonna get you. Know? Yeah, like, you. That's you owe me, That's why it's a cartoon. You owe me ten thousand. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I. It's funny, writer. I didn't read that ending as like he's so civilized. I think this is like the romance novel aspect of like your wild heart will never survive in this <laughs> world. Oh, God. You know, like it would ruin the fantasy right. for Jane and all the Jane esque readers that <laughs> you know that he could be tamed. He can't be tamed. But actually, as I'm saying that, like this is a very interesting work of fiction in that it's total genre fiction for like the stereotypical romance novels for women and adventure like murder stories for guys. Like yeah. I can't really think of another example. Like that's really interesting actually, you know, that it's like two audiences that normally don't intersect or like enjoying the same. Right. I couldn't believe how, how much, he, uh, Tarzan is is sexualized, you know, yeah. like his body and his descriptions of his body. Oh, which also I love the way that his, the descriptions of his body, you know, harken back to Western civilization. They like describe him as a Roman and Greek god. Right. It's like within <laughs> one course. paragraph they switch between those two, and you're like, oh, of course, he's just the white god. But yeah, it's it, I, I I was. I was fascinated by the same thing. I kept going like, where, why is he like, he's more sexualized than Jane is. Oh, you know, for sure. Like the book is more yeah. about oh, yeah. his body and his masculine presence uh, sexually than, than her. You know, she's just the, the waiting. So flower did, did, did either of you ever read, um, yeah. did either of you read Conan, the barbarian? No. Is it similar? No. Well, it's Edgar Rice Burroughs also. And so I'm sort of curious Oh really? Yeah, I'm sort of curious. Like, what is the shared DNA between the two of them? I just for Conan, I just saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, so I suspect it's hmm. not entirely canon. Um, so Conan I, is really short. I think it's just a, sh a series of short stories. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, it's not a novel like this. Um, so I, I I haven't read it either, but um, I have it. I, I have a copy of it. Somebody gave it uh, like an illustrated copy of it, but it's it's a series of short stories. I didn't realize that was Edgar Rice Burroughs too. And then he did Carter from Mars, right? Or John Carter on Mars. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which I also haven't read, but yeah, he's like really just 
he nailed something about the pulp sensibility of little boys in, in the early 20th oh, century. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing is um, it's not uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay, oh. So. I'm glad we got that straight. Great. We published this episode. <laughs> we would have gotten eviscerated. Hold on a minute. Why am I thinking Edgar Rice Burroughs had something to do with Conan? Hold on. All right. While you think about that, I want to register another complaint. All right, go ahead. So this is like what you're describing, Ryder, about short stories for Conan. Like that's what I expected Tarzan to more be like is like multiple just adventures in the jungle instead of like a drive, an aggressive drive towards civilization. That disappointed me. I wanted more swinging around in the trees and whatever you know it was just like every single chapter he got (laughs) and i i wonder if there's any sense of awareness of this but like every chapter that he got more civilized he also just became more of a dick you know (laughs) (laughs) so the first few it's it's fun you know a little boy or teenager like making a rope cool yeah uh Hang on a second. I'm just making. I would have liked a lot more. Yeah. It so it, Edgar... just drew, it just becomes a drive for him to get Jane, right? Like that's like once he sees Jane, the whole novel just becomes Tarzan wants Jane, and it's like that's yeah. Not oh, as here, here's the reason why uh, he wrote a book called "I Am a Barbarian." Uh, that's why I was thinking of him with Conan. <laughs> I, I don't know. Or they're just, you know, pulpy guys, pulpy novels with guys in loincloths being really strong. So you're oh my God. the wires there. Guys, I, I am looking at how many how many Tarzan books there are. So the one that we read, Tarzan of the Apes, came out in 1912. Um, the last one that he wrote that was published um, was, let's see here. Uh, Tarzan and the Foreign Legion um, came out in 1947. It was written in 1944. Tarzan and the Foreign Legion? Wow. So he's like fighting um, World War II? Apparently. And then there's stuff that came out in the 1960s that were, you know, like after Tupac died, they just put all, all his shit. Same basic idea with Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, hmm. Yeah. The man made a lot on. of money. He has, there's an entire section let's of Los Angeles with... named Tarzana because right. of his giant sprawling ranch. That he built out there. Uh, let's see here. Okay, while serving in the Royal um, the Royal Air Force under his civilian name of John Clayton, Tarzan is shot down over the island of Sumatra in the Japanese-occupied Dutch East Indies. This fucking guy's bad luck, right? He uses his jungle <laughs> he uses his jungle survival skills to save his comrades in arms as they fight oh, I the Japanese. I bet you that book's not racist at all. That, pro- that book's probably straightforward. Yeah. Probably probably some really noble uh, Japanese warriors in that book, like well represented. Oh boy, I'm sure. Uh, Tarzan also reveals to his companions how, in his youth, after saving the life of a witch doctor. He was rewarded by a treatment that gave him perpetual youth. Okay. Of course. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. That's good for him. A witch doctor is always a good sign that a book's not racist. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you guys. A witch doctor idea, in voodoo. I want to read Tarzan and the French Foreign Legion or where the fuck this is. Oh, my uh, God. I don't. It sounds, like, sounds, it sounds like it just kept going crazier and crazier. Like Tarzan just became 
a superhero. Oh, Tarzan at the Earth's core. Hold on a minute here. Um, in response to a radio plea, uh, scientist, blah, 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 Tarzan goes to the center of the Earth. (laughs) Does he battle dinosaurs at the center of the Earth? Um, Let's see here. As uh, Gridley wins the love of a... Oh, they go to the center of the Earth, but they find uh, that it's essentially prehistory there. Um, He has to fight prehistoric creatures and the peoples of the inner world. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Tarzan actually makes a good companion to Lord of the Flies, which we talked about only a couple episodes ago. Um, Because in a lot of ways, the book that Lord of the Flies was in response to sounds very similar to Tarzan. Um, right. Do you remember? Yeah, so Lord of the Flies was actually based on, or it was a response to the Coral Reef. Was that what it's called? Or something Reef? The Pearl Reef? I don't know. It was a, an adventure that. book about kids, English kids who get stranded on an island and form a, a decent English civilization and kill the local natives. And, uh, you know, basically it was like a colonial fantasy in the same way that Tarzan is. I wonder if if anybody's written basically a, a, a version of Tarzan that is like what Lord of the Flies was, which is a sort of dark version showcasing how uh, nature does not, you know, your, your, your heritage, your bloodline does not necessarily triumph over the savagery of nature. Um, there must be versions of that, right? I, I feel like that Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan movie attempted to be a darker version of things. But it was the 1980s, so, you know, who knows? But that was that was my take in memory, is that it was a tried to be a darker, more realistic version of things, but, I, but I'd have to watch Andy it again. McDowell. Right. And Andy McDowell had to be... Every one of her lines had to be looped. Every single... I forget which actress took over her voice, but it's not Andy McDowell's voice. Uh, I, I actually we should watch that movie now. We should. We should absolutely watch it. Uh, yeah. So I, I think Greystoke might have been an attempt to make it darker and real, more realistic, but I don't know. Writer, this is your shot, man. This is this is public domain, right? You could write a, a Tarzan script. Is it actually public? You domain? could be tar- Tarzan. Yeah. It, isn't it public domain? Well, someone probably doubt it. Actually, I feel like um, it's about ninety-five years out. So, oh yeah, so I guess we'd be there now. If it was nineteen twelve, yeah, yeah. Let's see. This is your shot. This is my question, though. Like, can you insert a white person into an African landscape without it being a colonialist sort of fantasy? You know, like right. Or do you tell the story of Tarzan from the perspective of a, an African kid, you know, who was raised by gorillas? And what, what is that story about? Because I think what Julia nailed it when she said it. So much of this seems to be based on, like, this, this idea of nature versus nurture and, like, living that out or, like, playing that out in story. Um, and obviously the point of playing that out for Edgar Rice Burroughs was to assert the authority of Western white men. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just... I just don't know if you could even approach this story without. I, that's that's why I'm surprised that like Disney makes versions of it still. Like, how do you avoid that that problem? Um, you know, in a way that like I think that there's probably 
a lot of colonialist racist stuff going on in King Kong too. Um, but Oh, for sure. It's so fantastical and sort of otherworldly about that story that I feel like, Oh, you can approach that in an interesting way or in a new way. But like the very basis of Tarzan seems steeped in, in something pretty awful. Um, but what's weird is think about this fact, this book would have no problem being taught in most schools, public schools in America, oh, like nobody would no. protest it. But Huckleberry Finn, because of its use of the N-word, has been banned. It's an interesting Texas, thought. Texas actually teaches Tarzan as American of history. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> we are all descended from Tarzan in Texas. I hope, I hope this is used as, my, uh, as a transcription note for this show. In Texas, they use Tarzan as American history. Boom. Printed. <laughs> Julia, what uh, are you going to say? I was going to say, in Ryder's version, he can just be raised as a baby in the hills of L.A. in Griffith Park. <laughs> you know? Wasn't there a Brendan Fraser movie uh, like that? Just, yeah, no, that's called Encino Man. Yeah. It's right. It like, gets thawed out in the pool. It's kind of the right. same idea. Yeah. Same thing. Same basic idea. Damn. Tossed into the wilds of Encino. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, all right. That was Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs, which um, we read so you don't have to, dear listeners. (laughs) And uh, our cliff notes, we didn't even really get into the invasion of the black people, the murders, the imprisonment of the women and children. Uh, it's pretty awful all around. Um, yeah, just trust that what the parts that we left out are worse. Yeah. <laughs> the most exciting parts are Tarzan killing animals. It's the fun action sequences. That's the, that, that's the least harm. That's the, yeah, that, that's the, the harmless part of this book that seems fun is, is Tarzan ripping out the throat of other animals. <laughs> wow. Great. <laughs> Okay. Well, I would love to hear from our listeners really great survival in nature stories because there are a million and I just want a reading list to get over this experience. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. should probably do Robinson Crusoe, which I've never read, or um, Swiss Family Robinson, which I also have never read. I'm going to guess we read Robinson Crusoe, we're going to be wildly dissatisfied. <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm just saying. You never know. So that was Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Thanks for listening to Literary Disco on Lit Hub Radio.